Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. Before we get to our special guest today, tickets are on sale for the 7th Annual Candy Box Dance Festival, happening at the Southern Theater April 24th through the 29th, with master classes, happy hour informal showings, and featured artist performances by Barrett Algren of Honeyworks, Jason Howard, and Megan Meyer. More info at arenadances.org. That's A-R-E-N-A-D-A-N-C-E-S dot org. This week, in line with Arena Dances' Candy Box Dance Festival, we are chatting with Barrett Algren once again. Welcome, Barrett. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to have you here again. And for your second interview with Arena Dances and the Studio Stories um, podcast, uh, for the purpose of our chat today, we will focus more on your choreography and what you are presenting this year with the Candy Box Dance Festival. Um, everyone can hear more of Barrett's history within the dance community at our archives at our website. It's episode 56 uh, and, and or wherever you get your podcasts. So Barrett, <laughs> uh, you performed in Candy Box a couple of years ago as a yeah. happy hour artist, a kind of works in progress showing. And yep. this year we have you as a featured artist for the seventh annual Candy Box Dance Festival. What will audiences get to take in of your work? Well, thank you for featuring um, my work as a choreographer um, now in the featured uh, portion of your festival. That's really um, a special treat to kind of feel these like little stepping stones um, in a creative process. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, as a choreographer, I have a small organization called Honeyworks. And um, for this performance of Candy Box, I've started working on what will be um, the first part or a section of a larger work that I'm going to be developing over the next few years called Cedarbacke. And this first iteration is um, looking at the neighborhood of the Southern Theater in Minneapolis, so the Cedar Riverside neighborhood as it was at the time that the Southern Theater was erected in the 1920s. And so um, kind of looking at the different um, cultures that were a part of that neighborhood, um, the, the actual hands, the people that built the Southern Theater um, and the kind of um, use for that space in the first um, few years that it was a part of the Twin Cities. And so um, it happens to be that uh, the the Southern Theater is named after a theater in Stockholm, Sweden. So we kind of started there as a launching pad of like listening to different um, folk songs from Sweden and Scandinavia and kind of getting a soundtrack and then building um, about a 25 minute piece, um, branching off some ideas of, of that time and of that location in our community. And you're, you're of the Swedish heritage, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really yeah. what sparked, um, 
Well, that and a few other things. This sparked this idea to kind of lean into the history of the Southern theater. Um, so I grew up in a very, very, very Swedish household. We, you know, not directly, it wasn't our first language, but we all, all of us kids learned Swedish and would travel back to Sweden to visit family there and, you know, celebrated all the holidays appropriately <laughs> for um, our culture and our, our heritage. But um, when I was maybe 18, 17 or 18, I was in Stockholm for a few weeks in the summer and just kind of wandering around the city and exploring. And I stumbled upon a theater in like the southern part of Stockholm that's called Södra Teatern, which means Southern Theater. And in my mind, I was like, oh, that's funny. We have a Southern Theater in the Twin Cities. <laughs> and lo and behold, many years later, I was performing at the Southern Theater with um, Two Dance, where I had been performing before. And there was some history up about, you know, the beginnings of the Southern Theater. And it just so happened that it was named after that theater in Stockholm. And so many years ago, I just started thinking about that relationship and how much I love the Southern Theater. I love seeing work there. I love performing there. And then, you know, I also have this tie and this tether to... Um, like a home away from home in Stockholm. And so um, it just gave me a nice um, kind of idea or a platform to then start building choreography and kind of researching some history in the Twin Cities um, in that sort of way. Yeah, I find it interesting too, Barrett. I really think of your work as, I'll say dancey dance in the most positive way. <laughs> I, I totally know right. what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is a really kind of a bigger taking on for you in, in a way. Yes. Yeah. Like so topic. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that was, you know, that's why I decided to kind of break off this. So the larger aspect, what people will see at candy box festival this year is that, I mean, we really are just looking at like, vaudeville and like different immigrant communities that were living in and amongst um, the Riverside neighborhood who would have used that space as a community landing place or, you know, intermixing with people in their community, different languages, different backgrounds, different um, uh, priorities, like life priorities and religions. And so um, that's what we're presenting, but that's really just the beginning of me looking at then the whole history of the Southern theater within a community that has changed so many times and has seen, you know, revolutions and um, just like having the different immigrant communities in Cedar Riverside, as well as the university of Minnesota and, and their um, influence in that area and neighborhood. And so my next chapter of this work, whenever that will come out, maybe in a year or two is going to be looking at more like the 1960s and the 1970s. And then the last final iteration of this piece or like kind of bringing everything together, we'll be looking at really the 21st century and like what that neighborhood has seen and experienced in the communities there now. And I want to give myself plenty of time before then to really um, engage with the community in a meaningful way to help build out that last um, uh, piece of this larger work. That's so cool. And I love the idea that you, you know, that this is like the beginnings of it in a way. Why, why the sixties and seventies? Um, I, there, I was doing some research in the neighborhood and it, um, there was a lot of activity in Cedar Riverside pertaining to the counterculture movements 
Um, and so I want to look into that, just music, politics, art, um, different way, like what was the most current wave of immigrate immigrants, immigration that was kind of present in, in the Cedar Riverside neighborhood in that particular portion of, um, you know, the, the duration that the Southern theater has seen and like borne witness to its neighborhood and what was happening yeah. around it. I so. guess that makes sense. It, it kind of was the 60s, 70s Vietnam War. And I mm -hmm. feel like that area specifically was kind of similar to the hate in San Francisco. And yeah, kind yes, of, yes, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like really, you know, protesters and anti-war and, you know, free love, free people, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of mentality. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, you know, in waiting to bite off that next section of this piece, I'm, I'm giving myself more time to do proper research in that so that, you know, I can do my best to integrate and um, present that through dance in a meaningful way. Very cool. So what does that look like? I'm always interested in, you know, hearing about what someone's wanting to make. And then it's like, okay, what does that first day of rehearsal look like? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, I can speak to what my current process has been thus far. Um, I have a cast of eight dancers, nine if I put myself in this work, which I'm intending to, but you know, you can't, I'm still on the outside looking at the moment. Um, yeah. I, I plan to, I want to, I want to dance in this work. So um, hopefully we get there by the end of April. But um, yeah, our first day, um, I put on music that I had you know, done some research and decided like, for sure, I want to use this track. Maybe this one I'm like on the fence about, and then this one for sure I want to use as well. Maybe we can get it performed live. Da, 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 da. And we listened through the music, um, the nine of us. And then, um, you know, I like when I'm building choreography, I came in with some set material, actually more in this particular work than I normally do. Hmm. Um, it was a little bit character driven. Um, the piece of music that I first introduced is really playful. Um, not all the music has lyrics, but this one does. And this woman is singing in Swedish and it's, it's just kind of a silly little, um, playful song. So I wanted to build some like character and personality into that with the dancers. Um, but besides that, I know on the first day we, we took time to just improvise and see how the music landed for them. Um, each one of the dancers involved is coming to the piece with their own history and lineage and um, ancestry. And so, you know, it wasn't about like putting on some sort of other culture or identity. I wanted the music to inspire their own knowing whether they're very familiar with with where their family came from or not. But um, a time and a place just to like get settled in their, in their roots and in their ancestors. So we, we took some time definitely on, you know, the first few rehearsals for that. And then I, you know, I'm really lucky to be working with the dancers I am because they um, are super generative and that's fun for me to like really start putting some pieces together and like more than enough and then whittling back from there. Um, so now we're at a point in the work where most of the sections are complete, but we need to like, craft it, you know, like, let's put this there, let's change the facing of this and kind of rework um, how each section has kind of just in a more standard way fallen into the piece. 
Yeah, nice. Uh, can you uh, list all your dancers for us? Absolutely. I'm dying yeah. to know who's in it. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Sarah McCullough, Caitlin Hawkins, Tessa Russ, Lily Conforti, who also is, she's has a happy hour this year. Yeah. Um, uh, Annie Carlson, Annika Johansson, and Genevieve Waterbury, Jen Mack, and myself. I think that's all nine of us. And mm. I went with a cast where I knew that I would be able to work um, intimately and consistently consistent with good consistency. There we go. Um, throughout the process. Cause my schedule has been a little bit erratic this spring with some other projects. And so I needed every day we could get to be available. And so that was a big um, consideration in, in casting this one. Yeah. And it's always, I think important to that camaraderie or like what the group looks like is so important as well. Yeah. And I, you know, it wasn't like, I, I don't want just one token male that feels weird, that suddenly feels like yeah. that says something. And I've worked with all women cast in the past. And I, I feel a level of, I mean, just in the room camaraderie, like you said, but also like comfort and a familiarity that's really nice within the process as well. So it just so happened it worked out that way. And um, in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad it did. Yeah. Can you share, because as a certified Gaga instructor and being familiar with how collaborative you are, like having those great movement generators in your rehearsal, how do you, um, how do you approach that collaboration or how do you, you know, hold on to something that was generated and, and massage it a little or things like that? If you can just mm -hmm. give a little insight into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Gaga is a movement language that allows for movers of any style, tradition, um, training, <clears throat> movers who don't have any training whatsoever, but just people who love to dance and, and move in their bodies, um, a means to connect to greater availability and that could be availability in the mind just to be creative and playful and spontaneous can be available availability in the body to really sense how the joints can move on different planes and angles. Um, so we really look at that. And so, you know, as someone who has been trained in that as a mover and as an instructor of the form, um, I, I kind of see through that lens when I'm building work with the dancers. So if I, you know, if I ask us all to improvise for let's say 15 minutes, which isn't a lot of time at all really. And then like, whatever comes up, whatever you stick to, whatever you start to like latch onto as a, a movement, a motif, a shape, a series of movements, so to say like a little phrase, let's all then bring that together collectively and start piecing that idea and maybe I tweak it a little bit with someone else's. And so we start to kind of just um, like beading a necklace, like everybody provides a bead mm. and then we go to another one. And, and I kind of refine it along the way here and there, really through the lens of looking at the 
qualitative energy of what they've provided, if that makes sense. So, you know, if I'm taking something from, let's say, Caitlin that has this really like explosive feel, I want to put that next to something from Genevieve that has this like delicacy and sensitivity. And then really for all the other dancers, highlight the qualitative shifts, because I think that's where the dancers as technically trained you know, performing artists relate to us in the audience as humans, because throughout the day we go through like such vast emotional states and they can go go like boom, 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 one next to the next. And so, you know, if we can present that through movement on stage as well, I think it gives the audience a, um, an inlet to like access the work with us, um, noticing like that emotional or physical contrast um, is really important to me. Yeah. And all each of the movers you mentioned are quite stellar. So it's quite the cast to come check out. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. As well. I'm very yeah. excited. Well, and I know that as this is part of a trilogy, so this is, are you thinking of this as um, like how long is this section of the work yeah. right now? I'm not entirely sure <laughs> in, in a good way, in a great way where like I'm leaving it slightly open-ended. Um, you know, I want to present this bit um, through Candy Box and then see, you know, in some ways, like see what the response is from audiences in terms of like, where are the questions? Where's the inconsistency? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really lean into some feedback to help direct maybe the next um phase I you know as with any small dance organization like it's going to be funding dependent so I don't have an exact like you know rehearsal schedule or planned date for a premiere for like you know this next um, portion or even the third part but I'm just kind of trusting that through time and applying for (laughs) state heart sport and MRAC and any kind of funding um you know, there might be those opportunities then to like pick back up with the work and start to tether into this next piece, but it won't be, um, I know for certain, well, you you never know for certain, but my intention is not to make it like, um, a linear timeline. I really want the ultimate end product. Once I have this third section done in a few years or year or two, um, to really be interwoven. And so it's a little bit more, um, time warpy and we don't get too literal about you know well this happened in 1935 and 2010 you know i i want there to be that sense of um, abstraction to this work ultimately yeah i love it that you're you have that vision of forecasting um the dream ahead (laughs) you know I, i find that for myself i have like three or four pieces in my head and it's like, okay, in 2026, I'll get to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I yeah. I think that that also really just, I don't know. There's something about, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Perseverance, but also like, okay, this is what I'm working on. And having that kind of passion for it yeah. for as long as you've had, you know, like when was the first maybe idea of this and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Cedarbake? You're close. It's Cedarbake. And I can explain Cedarbake. where that name came 
but yeah, okay. I, I think I applied actually for this idea for some, I don't know now, but you know, a, a grant proposal from um, somewhere in the state, uh, probably three, four years ago, even. So it's been sitting in my like piggy bank of ideas for a little <laughs> while. Um, and if nothing else, I was like, maybe I'll just make a solo dance about my love for the Southern and my, you know, connection to my Swedish heritage through this building and whatever else. But I'm really glad it's like turning into this more um, three-dimensional, unique piece with all these different dancers and elements. Um, but the name, okay, so the name comes from Cedar Riverside. That's where I got Cedar. And then Bakke is means like a, like a small hill in Swedish. And so the theater, the, the Southern Theater in Stockholm, Södertärten, is in, um, it's on this little like, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I can only think of the Swedish word for this, like a little um, area on top of a hill overlooking the city um, that's called Musebakke. And so I just kind of put Cedar Riverside and Musebakke together to make Cedar oh. <laughs> Nice. So it's, it's as simple as that, just a, kind of like a merging of like the neighborhoods in which these two theaters coexist across, you know, time zones and oceans and lands. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and I know that you also, Barrett, you have been very busy <laughs> doing yeah. amazing touring and things like that with Ragamala or um, not Ragamala. Ashwini. I should, Ashwini, yeah. I should yeah, yeah. do that correctly. Um, but you are also producing a show at the Southern Theater. Is it in June? Yeah, it is. It's just gone kind of the the other end of Candy Box. Um, so Honeyworks was selected from the Southern Theater to be a part of their um, partnership program for 2022, 2023. Like, what year is it now? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, so we are um, slated for that first, gosh, no, the second weekend in June. I think our shows will be June 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, like Thursday to Sunday at the Southern. And um, Honeyworks is remounting a piece that I personally made with Nathan Keepers of the Moving Company, um, theater company in the Twin Cities. He and I were um, merge artists for the Coles Merges in March program back in 2022. And um, those of you listening might remember that all those shows were canceled. And so we weren't able to perform this piece live. And then the following spring when it, I think we were asked to do it again, but virtually, but half of our cast had then moved out of Minnesota and wasn't here. And so we just kind of revamped into like a making of remaking of the thing that never really happened. Like meta, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. making of film um, of the piece that uh, Nathan and I presented instead of performing. And so now it kind of feels like, okay, we're, putting the show back on stage. We're flying in these dancers that are now living outside of Minnesota. We're going to get an audience to see this work. Third time's the charm. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what's happening. The piece is called Give Ear. Um, and we're, you know, many things we're kind of re-examining given, you know, the, the change of uh, times in the last three years, but we're really excited to, um, get that up and on the stage for folks. 
Yeah. When I think what a great way, like I was super excited that you, your show was right around the corner because it's like, okay, people, audiences, check out this work and see see what Barrett's doing with Honeyworks and then yeah. go see her, her show show, her big yeah. full yeah. full evening show, you know? And two very different pieces, really, if I think yeah. about Cedar Becca and Give Ear, um, you know, there were how I build as a choreographer, like those moments are in like the building blocks, but the, what amounted to what's going to be on stage and who's in it and kind of the, the message and meaning behind each work is pretty different. <laughs> so it, yeah, if people can see both, wow, that's, you know, great to get a, like a little bit of an array of the work that um, Honeyworks puts out. Yeah. Well, Barrett, this is a nice short little interview, I feel, but I, um, I think it's a nice little introduction to appease and appeal people to come see your work uh, at Candy Box and or the next showing at the Southern Theater. I, you know, am personally a fan of yours for some time now as a dancer, and I just love that you're doing your own work um, and your approach and you have just such an expressive, um, I'm going to say instrument, because I feel like expressive body <laughs> sounds funny to me now. But I feel like, yeah, you just have this way of uh, really fully embodying the material in, in such a great way. And so uh, really excited about your choreographic voice and, and what you're doing. So thank you so much for being a part of Candy Box for this once again <laughs> And, and once again, as I think you might be the only second interview I've done now. Um, wow. Stories. wow. We'll see I, if I, my memory serves me right. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for saying all that. I mean, it's really, I've, I feel like I've grown up watching you as a role model. So um, it's just really nice to chat with you. It's very easy and it's fun to be back on Studio Stories. Thank you. <laughs> Joining us next week, Candy Box featured artist Jason Howard of Chicago. Let's give him a warm welcome.